Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 10 through 13. Hear now the word of God. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. Joy and peace. Somehow our joy and our peace are related, maybe like peanut butter and jelly where they're just better together, or family in the holidays. Somehow they're related. And to explain it, the Bible squishes together these two images, joy with peace and this, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, joy and peace and rain and seed. We forget sometimes how fragile life is. If the rain doesn't come, there can't be life. Not that rain guarantees life, but without it, plants won't grow, animals will die. The rain allows life by watering the earth. When we read Isaiah, we're reminded that God sends the rain and the snow. God sends them so things will sprout and things will grow. The rain comes and because of the rain, life can follow. And somehow the same as this, you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. Going out in joy, pursuing joy allows us to return in peace. It's a strange claim. This passage tells us that if we don't go out in joy, pursuing joy, whatever that means, if we don't go out in joy, we won't find peace. But there's a major translation issue here. Because our word peace, it's smaller than the Hebrew word in this promise. We tend to think of peace as just a lack of violence, tranquility, peace is a quiet stream trickling through a field of flowers while birds softly sing. Peace is a country when it's not at war. I looked it up in the dictionary. In English, peace is freedom from disturbance. When I'm riding next to you on the train and you fall asleep and your head begins bouncing on my shoulder, you've just stolen my peace. When your neighbor buys all the lights from Home Depot for Christmas and decides to add a speaker system with some Christmas music for effect, and you find yourself trying to fall asleep to a techno remix of Jingle Bells and Strobe Lights, yes, someone has stolen your peace. If peace is freedom from disturbance, then as a new parent, I'm guessing the next time I get to experience peace 
will be somewhere between 10 years and who am I kidding? Probably never. Peace. But the biblical word is a little different. Trying to fit this promise into our word peace is like a couple months ago when I thought I could fit into a pair of old pants I found in the back of my closet. And I was feeling really proud because I got them buttoned and I walked out and maybe I was strutting a little because, hey, I'd gotten them buttoned until my wife pointed out that I had split them in the back. (laughs) Putting the biblical promise into our word peace, it's like that. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that you can't get it buttoned. It's just that it's probably better to get a bigger word. Because the biblical promise of peace isn't a promise of tranquility. And it's not a promise that we won't be disturbed. It's deeper than that. It's fuller. It's a promise for unity. When things are whole, that moment when you're like, this is right. This is complete peace. And that has something to do with the rain and the snow coming from heaven and not returning until they've watered the earth. It's a thing doing what it's meant to do. Peace. It's something like how Jesus comes to earth and He doesn't return to heaven until He's accomplished what He came to accomplish. He's done what He's meant to do, so He is at peace. God promises we shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. So this morning I want to talk about three layers of peace. Peace within ourselves, and peace with our neighbors, and through those two, peace with God, starting with ourselves. I was serving my last church in New York City, and I was walking the three blocks from the parking garage to the church, and now lots of times there were parades on Fifth Avenue. So there would be barricades set up along the side, and lots of police loitering, Uh, It looked like they were just drinking coffee, but I'm sure they were doing something more important than that. Uh, But this time it was weird. There were barricades on 6th Avenue, and there were a lot of police. And I walked into the church, and I asked my boss, and she told me it was this climate change march. If you remember, it was the big one in 2014. Over 300,000 people marched down 6th Avenue, one block from the church. Uh, So we did our Bible study that morning and obviously it came up. A bunch of the kids were fired up about it. We need to save the environment. We need to take a stand. People need to know this march is so important. It is so important. People need to know. So I asked what I thought was the obvious question. If any of them were going to march. Out of 30, I figured, you know, maybe 15, maybe 20, because they were fired up. They were yelling. Do you want to guess how many? One. One out of 30, one girl was going with her mom. Climate change aside, I want us to notice that these kids were caught between these two understandings of peace. For my kids, they had this, climate change is the biggest issue facing humanity and people need to march, it's so horrible, big statements, pointing fingers, thing going. And then they had this other, but I don't really want to be disturbed by having to do something as inconvenient as walking one block away to march thing going. So I think I'm going to go home and like the march on Facebook. On the one hand, they wanted to take a stand, but also they didn't want to be disturbed. 
That's one version of peace. And in the end, 29 of them chose not to be disturbed. Their afternoons were not inconvenienced. But let me ask you, these kids got all fired up about climate change and the march and how important it is. They had every opportunity to go and make a statement literally one block away. All they had to do was show up. Now when they got home, and they sat in front of the TV or the computer and they kept reading about the march and they didn't go because they didn't want to be disturbed. When they were sitting at home in the comfort of their couch, were they at peace with themselves? Two weeks later, one of the kids talked to me and he couldn't understand why, but he kept thinking about the march. It had plenty of people. It had all the impact he wanted all over the news. Besides, one kid, he wouldn't have made a difference. There were 300,000 people. But he kept thinking about it. He couldn't understand why he didn't have peace. Because peace isn't not being bothered. We can avoid inconvenience. We can avoid hard things, avoid hard conversations, all we want. We can insulate our lives until there isn't a hair or a word out of place. But peace will still elude us because peace isn't not being bothered. This kid didn't have peace because his desires were at war within himself. His desire to stand up for climate change and his desire to not be disturbed were pulling his life in two different directions. These conflicting desires were pulling his actions in two different directions. So, of course, of course he couldn't find peace. He can avoid being disturbed however he wants, but he won't find peace because the violence is inside himself. The violence was inside himself because peace is when you go out in joy It's not about avoiding disturbances. That means we will find peace when we find a joy larger than our apathy. Can I say that again? We'll find peace when we find a joy larger than our apathy. We find something we care about enough that it gives shape to our lives, it gives us a wholeness. This kid couldn't understand why avoiding disturbance didn't give him peace. It's because peace comes from going out in joy, from having something that gives your life shape and then going out to pursue it. When God promises peace, God doesn't promise we won't be disturbed. Biblical peace, it's a contentment that comes from conviction. My mom saves things. And she keeps them in big tubs. And she had me cleaning out some of the tubs. And I was just going to throw out the whole tub because we have different personalities when it comes to saving things. But she made me sort the tub. And it was old school folders from middle school, which made me feel more convicted about throwing out the tub. But I'm paging through and I find this assignment I had. And we had been studying World War II. And I had to interview this gentleman about his service why he enlisted. And there were my questions, handwritten in my sixth grade chicken scratch, and we'd recorded the interview, and then I'd gone back and written in his answers. And I'd asked him if he was scared to go. And he told me, yes, he was scared to go, but he was at peace about it. What a strange word to choose. 
volunteering to go off to war, scared to go, but at, at peace. Being maybe 12, I assumed he was at peace because he somehow knew he would come back. So I asked him, how did you know you would come back? And he said he didn't. He didn't know he'd come back. Because, but he was at peace about it because come what may, it needed to be done. Come what may, it needed to be done. That's the peace promised here in Isaiah. Not a promise we won't be bothered. Not a promise that there won't be violence. If anything, it's a promise that at times we will be bothered because there is something deeper working here, something fuller that tears the seams and pops the buttons of how we think about peace. It's a peace of knowing that come what may, whatever the cost, come what may, this is worth it. It's a peace of knowing that I have this joy, this thing I love, and I am living out my convictions within myself. I am at peace because I believe this and I am living this. And that peace is powerful. It isn't dependent on what the world does. It's a peace that we can carry with us as we wait in the dark, as we wait for hope. It's a peace we've found in serving this church and our daughter. Neither task is disturbance-free. God knows neither task is disturbance-free. But for the most part, uh, we're at peace with the sacrifices and the cost because even with the sacrifices, we feel whole. This is what we were made to do, peace. Which is lovely. So I'm at peace with myself. We can figure out how to be at peace with ourselves. But here's a question. How do we live in peace? I want to be honest with you this morning. I'm not sure there is a more pressing or challenging question facing the church today than that. How do we live in peace? Just for instance, this march in the youth group, I left out part of that story. Obviously, not everyone in the group had the same beliefs surrounding climate change. And that conversation got heated. People's convictions, people's differing beliefs, it fragmented our community. It literally ripped it apart. And friends who normally leave patting backs and joking, they weren't speaking that Sunday, were they? They had to cool off for a week or two before they could speak again. I'm not going to lie to you. I I get that. I've been at the grocery store and someone brings something up. Did you see on the news today? And I can see what's coming. And I'm like a ninja. So, oh my gosh, there's a special on green beans. Buy one, get one on green beans. I have been meaning to get green beans. I have to leave. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I can change the topic faster than a pit crew changes a tire. Because how how else will we keep our peace? We ignore the divisions. We bury them deeper. And you know, the world, the world doesn't even believe we can have peace. Every day the world tells us we cannot have peace. As a church, we cannot have peace. The world takes a look at us and says, Listen, I've been hearing about you guys, Scottsboro, Cumberland, Prez, and i got to tell you, you'll never have peace. Start off with geography. You've got Yankees in your pews. Yankees, bless their hearts. Everyone knows Yankees and Southerners can't mix. Yankees are rude. They can't take a hint. They call Coke pop. 
what even is that? No, if you want peace, you got to tell them to leave. And then during football season, Lord, too many teams, too many colors, no chance at peace. Someone is going to lose hard. Someone else is going to rub it in. No chance. It'll rip you apart. You got to choose one team. One team, vote. That's how you get peace. And I haven't even mentioned the big stuff. That's right. Football is not the big stuff. Some of these folks, I'm not naming names, some of them prefer worship music with guitars and drums. <laughs> guitars and drums. And some of them even like screens. God help us. And then you've got others. I've heard others. They only love hymns. Generations old, if you don't have to dust it off, it's not worth singing. That sound best on an organ. You think those people can ever worship together? Never. You will never have peace. Friends, we need to acknowledge that the world looks at us, looks at our divisions and believes we will never have peace. We need to acknowledge that in this day and age, it can be hard to disagree. How can we possibly have peace with each other except to bury our differences deep enough that we can just ignore them and pretend they aren't there? Do we need to be identical to have peace? Do we all need to believe the same things and think the same things and like the same things? Because it feels like yes. But the Bible says this. You will go out in joy and be led back in peace. There's no denying that things divide us. People who think differently, vote differently, believe differently, it can feel like they live in a different world. But some of them sit with us in these pews, and you know it, and I know it, and how are we supposed to have peace? The only way is to have a shared joy that runs deeper than the divisions. My friend has a crazy cousin. Not just crazy like he believes some crazy stuff, crazy like unwell. And somehow he got it into his head that the whole family was against him. And he got riled up and he wrote them these hateful letters laying out every way they had ever wronged him, everything they'd done, how horrible they were, how they'd never see each other again. He just ripped the family apart, moved out of his parents' home to a little house on the edge of town. So it's coming up on Thanksgiving and they're inviting. No reply. They're calling. No reply. Silence. Finally, Thanksgiving Day. Waiting, hoping. No. His chair sitting there. Empty. Well, that doesn't work for Grandma. So she orders the family to pack up the casseroles and the cranberry sauce and cover the turkey and stack the pies and they load up and a five-car caravan rolls up across town until it pulls up to the cousin's house. Grandma knocks and says, Listen, you may not like us, but you don't have to. We're family. And family sticks together. So let me in before the turkey gets cold. That's our peace. A we may not like each other, but we don't have to kind of peace. Because we're family. Come what may, we're family kind of peace. Your team might beat my team. You might vote for the other side of the aisle. You might listen to music that makes my ears bleed. But come what may, we're family kind of peace. Come what may. Because we have this shared joy 
Jesus Christ, God born in the flesh, Jesus Christ, God's declaration that he will never, never settle for good enough, never settle for good enough, not with you and not with anyone kind of joy. And for some reason, Jesus has decided to call us together, young ones and old ones and conservatives and liberals and traditional and contemporary and even some Yankees for good measure. And we don't have to be the same. But it's more than that. Our strength is that we're not the same. And our testimony will be what the world believes impossible, that despite our differences, in the midst of our differences, in defiance of our differences, we will continue to enter into each other's darkness and to wait and to pray and to serve and to hope and to be at peace. Because we have a shared joy and it's the good of this church which is our family and the glory of God. And come what may, come what may in our country, come what may in the world, come what may, that joy will hold us together. So this morning I'm saying go out in joy. Go out to overcome something in this dark world by the power of God's love. Go out in joy. I can't promise you won't be bothered. I can't promise you won't be disturbed. To be honest, my guess is you will be. But if together we pursue this joy, God will lead us back in peace. The disturbance is okay. Right now, the disturbance is okay. This is our peace. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. Peace within yourself. Peace with one another. Peace with God. Go out in joy and come what may. You will find peace. You will find peace. Let us pray. Lord God, this morning we confess that the world does not believe your promise. It does not believe a room as divided as we are, as different as we are, could ever be at peace. And yet we are here as a testimony that it is true. So we give you thanks for our shared joys for the joy of Jesus Christ, the joy of this family that is our church. And we ask that you, by your Spirit you would continue to unite us, that you would bind us together, and that in this dark world we would be a testimony that in the midst of the darkness there is peace. God, we give you thanks and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.